Welcome to Women Waken, a holistic guide to wellness and abundant self-love, where we navigate healing, relationships, building self-confidence, and unconditional self-love and acceptance for an abundant life. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I just really knew right away when I met him, this term came onto my mind that he was my home. Like I'd never thought that about anybody. And I, that just opened up like, nope, that's one person. And then a few years later, then I found my other partner. I'm never hiding anything of myself. So I'm hoping, you know, that I'm just quietly planting seeds in people and getting them to think more. I often have really good conversations with strangers about polyamory because of how I'm so open about it. And I don't get judgment for it. On today's episode, I welcome the dear Amber Bariaktari. Amber is an integrative nutrition, health, and wellness coach. She empowers people with autoimmune disorders as she herself experienced an autoimmune disorder since the age of nine. On this episode, she shares her story as well as her vision for a new paradigm to embrace coming from love and relationships and love in all different forms. On this episode, Amber shares about her personal story and experience in polyamory, how she views love, and the book that she's writing with one of her life partners, Always Come From Love in Everything You Do and Say, Even to Yourself. Amber offers three specific takeaways on how we can begin to start coming from love in everyday situations and with ourselves. So take a listen and enjoy. Welcome, Amber, to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome. I'm really excited to get into our conversation today. You are an integrative nutritionist, health and wellness mm-hmm. coach. And this stems, it sounds like this path of work that you're on stemmed from your own experience with autoimmune disorder or disease. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So why don't we start with you sharing a bit about that, about your story and what that meant for you and how that led you into that work. And then we can get more into the nature of this work and why it's so imperative to really I believe that it it cultivates a stronger sense of freedom, but also autonomy to recognize what's going on with our body and how to feed our body, work with our body, exercise our body in the ways that is best for our unique self. Yep, absolutely. For our bio-individuality. Yeah. So I have had uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I was first diagnosed at the age of eight. So very, very young age. And that put me in the hospital. I was bedridden for three months. So once I got out of the hospital, I was literally bedridden for three months. I couldn't go to school. They had to bring in a tutor. And luckily I had known, I mean, this is sad, but luckily I had already known about rheumatoid arthritis simply because my grandmother had been an invalid with rheumatoid arthritis since she had been 16. So she had also gotten it triggered around the age of eight, but back then we had no meds. And so I think that really just helped me with kind of grasping, okay, my body's doing something similar to grandma's body. 
And then when I was a little bit older, my mother then had rheumatoid arthritis triggered and she was about 45. She was in and out of hospital, specialist, bedridden as well. And she is now disabled with it. So speed up to about four years ago, I was completely disabled. I had been approved for a scooter. I was on full disability with social security disability. I was getting approved for a wheelchair. I was on something called methotrexate, which is a chemotherapy drug, but they use it for rheumatoid arthritis to keep our immune system down. I was on Imbril shot, which I gave to myself weekly. It's just ridiculously high price to also kind of keep my immune system down. And about, I kept going and I was like, okay, this is getting worse and worse and worse. And I finally hit a rock bottom. And my rock bottom, it was, I also homeschool my daughter while being disabled and all of this. And so I started to slur my words. And what a lot of people don't know about rheumatoid arthritis is we get brain inflammation. So we get severe brain fog. We get some motor issue skills. I would, if I did any tiny task, I would be bedridden for up to four months. Or if I, what I call emptied out my batteries. Some people call it the spoon theory. I call it my energy battery levels. Like if I went and did grocery shopping, put away the groceries, did dinner, I could wind up in bed for three or four days from getting a worse flare. And so that I was just like, okay, now I'm slurring my words. How am I supposed to homeschool my daughter? So I had hit rock bottom. I'm like, I've had it. I am not going to have this be the end of my story or the end of my legacy. I've got to somehow stop this generational rheumatoid arthritis. And so I started digging deep into connecting dots. I started listening to medicine doctors, the science of it. And I started on something called the AIP, Autoimmune Protocol Paleo Diet, or what I call food plan and lifestyle. You eat whole, real nutrient-dense foods. You cut out all boxed or packaged foods. You basically are resting your gut from all inflammatory-causing foods. And then you only eat whole nutrient-dense foods that don't cause inflammation. So you rest your gut. And then you heal it with those nutrients coming back in. And I truly believe that that's what I did because I did that, did that for a few years, started to cope, started to do better, started to manage better, wasn't crashing as much. Then I started listening to Dr. Mark Hyman, who's a lovely functional medicine doctor in the leading field right now of like, no, it's all about the gut. Look at the gut and the gut microbiome being off. He really recommended doing time-restricted eating, which is where I stop eating by eight and I don't eat again till noon the next day. Within four days of that, my magic combo of AIP diet, time-restricted eating, I woke up the fourth day and I just sat up in bed. I stood up out of bed, which is really, really unusual for me because I have an electric blanket. It takes me over an hour to get up out of bed to loosen up my joints or my life partner has to rub my hands, get them working again. And I woke up, stood up and I'm like, wait a minute, that's unusual. And then I was like, wait, I don't have brain fog. And I realized right then, holy crap, my body doesn't have inflammation in it. So the RA disease activity was down or zero. And from that point on that day, I had went over to my mom's house. I was talking to her and she said she was celebrating with me. And she had really, she said, oh, you've really absorbed all of this nutrition stuff that you dug deep and figured this out. Why not sign up to a school? And coincidentally, I had been on Instagram looking at IIN School, which is a New York school for integrative nutrition coaches. And I jumped on, signed up that day, and the rest is history. But my goal now is to help lower my clients' disease activity and lower their symptoms because there's just so much they don't know. And there's so much that doctors don't know, I think, except for the functional medicine doctors. So yeah, functional medicine doctors. So yeah, that's, that's the story. Thank you so much for sharing. 
yeah, there's so many. We are complex. I always, always advocate for that. I always say that we are complex human beings. The earth is complex. We're spinning on a big giant planet. I mean, it's crazy. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, I think that that concept that we're just this rock spinning around the universe shows that there's not one solid answer or reason the way that things are. And I think that that's the problem is that people want there to be. They want there to be one consistent answer to everything. Yep. Yet we all know that the only constant is change. And 100 years will be unrecognizable, just like it was yeah. 100 years ago. Oh, from gosh, now, yes. Right? Yeah, self-personalized care. And that's really what the functional medicine doctors, when you go to them, they sit with you for two hours and take your whole life health history. Yeah. And then they're looking for all these triggers. They're putting it into what they call a functional matrix. And they, they lay it all out them for, for you and for themselves. And then they look at these and they go, okay, this system is wonky. Let's work on this. Let's work on this system. They're getting to the root causes. That's where our healthcare needs to go to. Yeah. And that's why as a coach, as an IIN coach, what I do is I bridge that gap. So like the doctor, even I'm starting to finally see coaches are being hired by doctor's offices kind of like a therapist would or physical therapist would, but we're getting hired into the offices where the, the person will get their 15 minutes with their doctor, let's say it's 20, 25 minutes. And then whatever the doctor has told them, they come with that knowledge to the coach right then and there. And they would work on implementing that plan. Oh, you have diabetes. Are you showing symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis or whatever? And then that coach would help work with them and bridge that gap that the doctors cannot have the time for. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we need. And I think that what's also good about this approach is a lot of things. One is that we get to feel more connected with our bodies and because we get to understand it at a more nuanced, complex level, right? Where it's like, yeah. okay, it's not just one simple, we get five options for what this could be. There's a lot of things it could be. It's a combination We're of ignoring. things. Yeah, we've been ignoring so many signs and pings, yes. you know? Yeah. So we, we ignore certain things. And then where that leaves us is that we're afraid of our bodies, right? I know for me, I oh, still gosh, struggle yes. with when something weird is going on in my body, I freak out. I want to go to urgent care. Are, I want to yes. say, help me. But it's important to sit with our bodies and recognize that even when we do have an autoimmune disorder, our bodies are never trying to harm us. They are just doing what they're getting messages about what they're supposed to be doing. And sometimes it's opposite of what we need, but it thinks it's right. Yeah. It's so important to sit with it and listen to it and try to let go of fear. Because yes. fear doesn't help. Fear breeds anxiety and anxiety just exacerbates any symptom. Yep. And yeah. can make up symptoms. Oh you gosh, know? yes. Anxiety <laughs> can mimic literally anything. Heart yep. attacks, stroke, paralyzation. You can think yep. that your, your head's going to explode <laughs> from anxiety. So we don't want to get to that level. But when we don't understand our body, when we're not educated about, hey, there's a lot of different factors that result on your gut health, your heart health, your lung health, your nervous system, all of these things. It's your sleep. It's your diet. It's your exercise. It's your <laughs> Who are you talking to? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer in what's called crowding out, which is, not only in, in a nutritional way, I say crowd out bad foods. And that's by putting in, starting to eat whole nutrient-dense foods. You cook once a week with a whole real food meal, and then keep adding that in. But you'll start crowding out bad foods. You'll, the cravings of sugar and stuff will have less a grasp on you because of that. 
But I also talk a lot to my clients about doing that with toxic people. So if you have toxic family members, toxic people that are in your life, start crowding them out by finding the people that are four steps ahead of you that really are going after their dreams and what they want to do. Like if you want to start a business or they're loving, kind, awesome individuals, go for them and you'll notice that you start to see them, these toxic people less and less, and you will start to hold boundaries better. And so that's another thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Recently, I, I'm big and I'm a tarot reader and oracle card reader. So I'm big on those sort of things. And I kept getting the message yeah. of declutter your life. And of course, the first thing we think of is physically. And I, I was thinking, I live in a furnished place. I'm basically a nomad. I have like one suitcase. I, I can't, I don't even have enough clothes. <laughs> How can I declutter? But then it came to me. I was like, I don't think it's stuff. I think it's energy. I think yep. it's energetic people. I think it's preoccupations in my mind. It's things because... When we don't release things, we are cluttered. We are, it's, and I think that also affects our health is when we have too many things on our mind that's weighing yes. on us, that's energetically cluttering ourselves. Because when you clear that all out and you're like, this is done. I don't need to hold this here. I don't need to have this worry on my mind. And yes. we let it go. It leaves space for the new to come in, to feel fresh, to feel energized, to feel healthy. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of people believe that any sort of disease that manifests in the body comes from deep held emotions that aren't able to be expressed, that manifest and become this tumor to the body. Yeah, that's why I really want to read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, because it's all about, from what I understand, it's an amazing book. Yeah. And it's about how when we hold those emotions in, where, how it goes to and what it does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds like that's what you do. I mean, if you're working with people mm -hmm. on their nutrition, health, and wellness, then you're saying, hey, let's look at you as a whole person. Let's look at yeah. your history, your story. Yeah. What might that I take? I take their whole life history. Yeah. yeah. I, I take a two hour talk with them and really like a functional medicine doctor would. Yes. And that's beautiful because, again, then that empowers people to feel that they can understand their body, not judge it, not judge well, their ailments. No that's shame. another thing we do is we have a lot of shame and judgment like, oh, I can't sleep or, oh, I always struggle with this or that or the other thing. My, I can't, my weight is never where I want it to be. Whatever it is, we feel shame. We feel upset yeah. about art rather than getting curious and saying, okay, how can I take a look at this? Yep. But that's another thing in our society is that we are big on quick fixes, right? Yeah. Whether it's feeling good really quick or heal, taking care of pain really quick or, all right, doc, yeah, I need to get back and work <laughs> tomorrow. So fix this up for me. And so they just give us med. So that, that's sort of my focus with the idea of women waken. To me, that represents the divine feminine. And to me, the divine feminine is, it's not gender specific. It's just an energy, right? Mm -hmm. The yin and the yang. And it's the part of the energy that recognizes we have to honor what is. We can't always just be chasing, chasing for more, which innovation is great. The masculine energy is wonderful in its mm -hmm. own right when it's at a balanced state. But when you are always just building and never honoring what is, then what is like our bodies get left behind and they're sick and they're depleted yeah. and they're diseased. And that's where we find ourselves. Our world yeah. is riddled with disease and it doesn't have to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm hoping with this new paradigm that we just keep waking up. That's why I was homeschooling my daughter and now unschool her. I, I'm a huge believer in giving her respect and autonomy and all of that. And so what I'm teaching her and like we'll get into later, trying to always come from love and all of that. So yeah, we're Absolutely. going to change the world. 
Yay, right on. That's what this is all about. <laughs> yep. I mean, this is the time for it, right? Like, I I don't know, the older I get, I'm like, geez, this place is so crazy. Like, I just want to throw like a Hail Mary and be like, whatever, right. I'll just say whatever the heck I want to. And who gives a shit? Because yeah. things are so, I mean, like I was saying, things, it's like we're holding on to the old paradigm, mm-hmm. but we, we can't are. let go. So yep. if we're going to let go and say crazy things and people are like, she's an idiot, doesn't know what she's talking about, I just don't care anymore. Because <laughs> things need to change and the way we're trying to stay put is ridiculous. And yes, and it wasn't stick. working. It's not working. So absolutely. I think I'm a big proponent of all things alternative and explorative. But also the biggest thing I'm a proponent of is the truth. Let's be honest with ourselves about yes. what's not working, about what we need to try more of and do less of. Yeah. In my body, I really hold this highest, which is own my own shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I own my own responsibility. So in my parenting, how I am without they're in the world, how I hold space for people. So yeah. I believe that self-awareness, getting intentional. Yes. Heck yeah. Love it. Okay. So then let's jump into the other work that you're doing, which is around, it's a book you're writing yeah. with one of your life partners. So another thing I'd love for you to share, you mm-hmm. practice polyamory. I so do, just yeah. a few weeks ago, I had a good friend of mine on the show, Lisa, who is non-monogamous. And for it was the first time I ever really spoke to, around the, that sort of relationship or means of partnering. And I find it fascinating to explore because talk about the old paradigm. I think we are moving into a time where not to say like, I'm a big, I'm I'm personally a big proponent of monogamy. I would love to just have that. That's that's you, your bio-individuality. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. But I, I did a solo episode on this episode on this is also, we have to look at the fact that monogamy for the large part doesn't seem to work. Or if it did, we wouldn't have these high divorce races. Right. And it might not even mean that monogamy doesn't work. It means that the way we're doing it, there's something yeah, out there. Yeah. But if you look at how much we've been traumatized from the previous generations, I mean, if you think about our parents, right, everybody was told you better not get a divorce, especially because religion would push that. Don't get a divorce. You will be shamed. Right. And so what they weren't teaching was it's OK if your relationship isn't working out. Have it have discussions. Maybe try to work it out. If you can't, it's OK to walk away. And so I don't think it because you can look at problems in polyamory, too, and in monogamy or in all sorts of different relationships, no matter what they look like. And so I believe it's more about that, how we show up in a relationship. Are we broken? Did we have a lot of trauma and wounds that we're not owning? All of that. It's really hard. It's tough. And our poor previous generation, they were poor. They were hardworking men and women. They were told by their churches not to get divorced. I mean... For instance, my one dad had to <clears throat> divorce his wife and they kicked him out of his church. So because of that, but he's, but at least he had that self-awareness, like, no, this, this relationship isn't working. So, yeah. he, you know, so yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, I mean, it's one of the biggest questions we can ask because relationships are one of the most powerful things and amazing things we can do. And yeah. I'm a big believer that we do some of our biggest growth in relation with others, that life is all about relation to others. There's definitely time to be on your own and do your own inner work, mm-hmm. but it's when our growth really happens when we're reflected by another, because that's what yes. happens in relationships. You are mirrored by another. You have to see the truth of yourself that you don't always notice when you're just on your own, right? You can do yep. a ton of inner work and be like, I got this. I'm good. <laughs> and then you go on a dating someone. You're like, what the heck? Well, like, yeah. Yeah, and you have to decipher, I know, and you have to decipher, is it them or is it me? And what do I need to work on? Yes. It it really is. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So tell us a bit about your experience with polyamory. When did your polyamorous life start? start? Yeah. Yeah. So I had been, so I went in high school, very monogamous, or at least I sort of thought I was. And so I had a boyfriend then, and we had gone all through high school, moved in together after high school. And then I was with him for about a total of 14 years and married for the last two. And it's really funny because in my story, I oftentimes, so now I've switched it. But in my story, I'd oftentimes say, I'm completely monogamous. But that's not true. I had a girlfriend throughout that whole time with my then boyfriend or partner slash later husband. And so really, I guess I wasn't practicing monogamy if you really get down to it. But I felt more monogamous at that time. But then afterwards, it had kind of dawned on me that since I was a kid that I had been open to this idea, but I didn't really like put the pieces together until I met my one polyamory partner. And that was because I had watched some Chinese movie where it was like the 40th wife was moving into like the castle or the temple or whatever it was with the mm-hmm. with the with the emperor and and I and I was watching it and I, I remember the main wife the oldest wife in this the very first wife had like on their wedding night had tricked her husband or their husband into staying with her because she feigned being sick and I thought to myself okay I wouldn't like that but I could work with all of those other women and be in a group like that okay maybe not 40 I mean that would be exhausting working with 40 different women but, but my heart was there. My heart was very open, even at that young, younger age. And I was like, hmm, I think I could really do that. And then I started writing a story where it was two men and a girl. And then that really just broke that open. Like, so by the time I met my poly, my first polyamory partner, I realized, wow, I can do this. I've been writing about it all these years and these different stories. And so that just really broke open. But I say this all the time. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a manifester. I popped out. I was never in a box, never on a conveyor belt. I, I don't even have a lane. I feel like I'm floating above. I mean, I'm just totally like doing my own thing, like all. And so I think I'm perfect for the new paradigm because I'm just, I do everything. I'm often told you unschool, you're polyamorous, you. you're doing this integrative nutrition, health and wellness coaching. You're just doing things differently. Yeah. So that's where the the polyamory started. And I just really knew right away when I met him. I mean, this this term came onto my mind that he was my home. Like I had never thought that about anybody. And I that just opened up like, nope, that's one person. And then a few years later, then I found my other partners. So that's what opened it. And I'll be this way forever. Uh, I think it for my heart, that's what I love. They're always there for me. If one's not available, the other one kind of is. And it's just as a really peaceful, loving way to be. And then like with having a daughter, you get more people to help. Not It's not taking advantage of, but you, you've got more of a family, more adults loving and caring and, and watching out for. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And Amber, could you share a little bit about the experience of holding love, romantic love for two people at the same time? Because I think that's something that a lot of people who can't imagine non-monogamy or polyamory feel is how could you devote yourself to two people when even just a a monogamous relationship can feel so it takes so much emotional energy a lot of time how how does that feel for you to have two places in your heart romantically intimately for two people 
Yeah. So it's very expansive for me. So I never feel depleted and I feel so much more aligned for who I am because I'm really like, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to be my friend? How can I help you in your, your job, your work life? I think that's why I'm a coach because that, that just fills me up and gives me so much joy. And then I swear as a Sagittarius extroverted person, I'm, I'm bigger than life. So always you'll see me at a party with 20 people around me and I'm telling a story half the time. So, uh, so it really, I think where people get First of all, jealousy, I think, is a huge driving force for a lot of monogamous relationships, not all of them. But this idea that if you're with a second partner, then you would be depleting. I mean, how many monogamy relationships do we see where they don't even have very many friends outside of their marriage, right? Because we construed that as they're, they're walking around with this other person. They're taking time away from our marriage and our little secret thing. Yeah. And so, but that's not how it works. Like as a healthy whole individual, you have friends. I have friends where we, we are married or have a partner with somebody or a couple of partners. And, and it's, it's not depleting. It's not oftentimes polyamory people say sometimes, and I know this one gets kind of thrown funny when I, when people say it, but it's like you get more like, let's say your one partner doesn't want to watch movies or they don't like horror movies and stuff. And monogamy people find that a little odd because they're almost like, well, then your one partner isn't fulfilling you in, in this way. And so you have to go look outside, you know, but it's really not that. It's about expansiveness. It's about just, I never feel depleted. I really, I don't think I take on three, four, five, six partners because yeah. I give so much to each relationship. But I, but I've always known that that cup is huge and I don't, I don't ever deplete it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think of, I, I hold a lot of women women's groups and I used to hold them in person, just women getting together and talk, talking all things, relationships, work, struggles, health, whatever it was. And we we're talking about partnerships and this, we we're talking about how it can be, this person had a new partner and they absolutely adored them. But just like any relationship, there are some things that we're missing. And she said, I've had to realize that no one person can wear all the hats, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We can't, but that's the problem is that we expect them to. We have this idea that when yep. you find your perfect person, they can show up as the horror movie. Watch yep. through, you know, yeah. They can show up as a chivalrous man who can fix everything. They can show up as the comedian and the romantic and all this. And, and I do think it's, people have a hard time thinking, well, you can't just go and date other people to get your needs met. But then the question is, why not? If it that, works that. for both of you. Yeah. Why not? If Because I, I had a friend and unfortunately the relationship ended because they couldn't agree on non-monogamy or polyamory, but they were absolutely best friends. They loved doing everything together, but the sexual connection was just not there. Yeah. And so my friend asked, I would like to see other people romantically. And the person said, no, you can't yeah. do it because there was jealousy. So that brings up the whole issue of human jealousy, which is a really yeah. powerful emotion. It's huge driving force. Yeah. And so I spoke about this in Lisa's episode, which it does take a, a, an amount of personal development and working with it yourself does. because jealousy is always an indication of an unmet need or a fear. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, they can't do that because that means that they're not attracted to me or they're more attracted to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you really have to own it. You have yes. to own when, when, even in polyamory, we get jealousy. But we, but yeah. we self-reflect hugely first before, oftentimes before we'll even bring it up. And then, because what we're looking at is, am I really 
are, are, is my other partner really spending time with this other person too much? And I'm not getting, like you said, a need met. Well, that's yeah. a logical thing. We just ask for more time. So yeah. in polyamory, communication and being honest will, is beautiful. That's what you need the most. Yeah. And that's what we need in every relationship. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that, unfortunately, I don't want to say it's just a monogamous relationship, but I think when there is a set standard, like, it's just the two of us. We're exclusive. I think sometimes they won't even have these conversations around, hey, I'm having these feelings. I'm actually really attracted to this person. You see it all. Yeah. I was just watching a show last night where some guy was looking at some model on Instagram all the time, jerking off in the bathroom rather than being with his yeah. wife. And that happened yeah. all the time. All the and I'm time. not saying that means they need to be polyamorous, but people tend in standard relationships often just won't talk about these things. And therefore they they go without being able to act on the things that they might they're sort of like repressing things and I, I think it's a bigger conundrum right because again not everybody is meant to be poly mm -hmm. but how do we but then that usually breeds when there's undesired met desired that creates distance in a relationship and of, again of course we see that all the time in, in standard monogamous marriages is that people are under the surface there's a lot of unmet needs and oh, yeah, and 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 judging our our for monogamous, judging our other person because they're not giving us our met needs or our unmet needs and things yeah. like that, and so then that creates resentment. And then you go years and years, years. Either you stay together, there's an ugly divorce, you know. So I really, I I just think polyamory it feels like to me we really learn communication. Yeah. And journey and jealousy. We learn how to self-reflect more. We learn how to work with multiple people in, in, in this way and respect our partners, partners and things like that. So, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a fascinating topic. I don't like to claim that I know any answers or I don't like to point fingers. I don't think anything's mm -hmm. wrong per se. I think we just need to observe what works and what doesn't. And right. why? Yeah. And why? And yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I will never say, you know, oh, you shouldn't ever be monogamous. There are, right. geez, our bodies are built to like be with one person. Yeah. Our DNA, our, our, our survival or our caveman brain is literally telling us to like go procreate, procreate, you know. And so yeah. there's that driving force as well, which I think we're finally breaking out of too. Yeah. But I, yeah, for me, polyamory was like, it opened up like, okay, I finally feel more settled and and better. So awesome. monogamy was never. Yeah. <laughs> was an and how fantastic to give yourself the opportunity to discover that about mm -hmm. what makes you feel the most free, the most comfortable, the most at peace and at ease with yourself. Because a lot of yeah. people get there. And I love my particular, whatever we want to call it, makeup energy, how many times I get on this planet, whatever it is. But that I was writing a story this whole time to help me get there because it was like I was sort of like subconsciously like Amber, Amber, there's this you'll be better over here. You know, I'm just I'm, yeah. I have healed so much stuff. I mean, I'm a much different person than I was with this other person coming out of high school. So, yeah, it's just amazing. Awesome. Awesome journey. And then, Amber, how did this lead you to write this book, Always Come From Love and Everything You Do and Say? with your partner yeah, what, what inspired even, that? Even what to, is that even to yourself so what's that yeah oh so it's so it's always come from love and everything you do and say even to yourself or even for yourself yeah sorry i missed that part yeah, i know <laughs> i've got to figure out if i need to tweak that title a little the big longy but yeah how that came about was so 
I've always throughout my journey have been learning really self-reflecting and self-aware and owning my own shit as we talked about. And so I've really come into a place of how do I want to show up in the world every day intentionally with every single step. So I really got intentional. And so I was kind of learning about that. But one day I was over at my one life partner's house and he was very frustrated because his computer, like there was a charge that he didn't recognize. So he's trying to figure that out. And I was standing there. So I had been there for a few minutes. And his wife came in the room and she said, hey, I'm home. Let's go watch a movie. Because he had texted her and said the three of us were going to watch a movie. So typical thing that for us, or for us polyamory people. So, but what I noticed is how fussy he was. He wasn't mean. He wasn't angry, but he was fussy at her. Mm-hmm. And like this light bulb went off in my head and it's just started to, it started to like a light bulb went off. And then I kind of like tucked it in my pocket and just kind of sat with it for like days and days. And then he's a business analysis. So he was really stressed out at work too. And I noticed he would write fussy if somebody can write fussy in text about like the stress at work. And all I would say back is, I love you. And I did this for, I don't know, two to three months. And finally, one time he said, oh, my God, I know why you're saying I love you. And it was like, yeah, to, to like get you to know who you're talking to one of your loving life partners. You don't need to be fussy at me. If you held space for me, you can have a loving, kind, safe space to to talk about it. But you don't have to be fussy at me. So it was really those two gelling of those two things. And that's where that title came from. And it just really blew open this, wait a minute. We need to be walking around because we randomly walk around in what I call autopilot 24 hours a day. We're asleep. I mean, we're almost asleep. Sometimes we get intentional. We're going to go work out. We're going to do something. We're going to go help our friend. But a lot of times we're on autopilot. So where that really got deep for me was like, no, Amber, you're not going to do autopilot anymore. And you can teach other people not to do autopilot anymore. If my car breaks down, I have my computer crash, I've spilled water all over my computer, you can always know that you can walk into my space and I will meet you there with loving kindness. So that's my foundation. I'm on a very solid rock of love foundation of, yeah, you could, I'm approachable always, whether it's a stranger, whether it's a loved one, a partner, my daughter. And things like that. So that's really where this, this came from, that book. And, and why I'm writing it with my one life partner is because over that course of him learning that. So after he, it dawned on him why I was saying I love you, that broke open how he changed how he was at work with his colleagues. That changed how he was with his wife. That changed how he's with me and how he shows up. So that's why we're writing it. Yeah. So for anybody listening, I'm, I, your book isn't out yet, right? No, it's not out. Nope. It's currently being written. Okay. So while we're waiting for this fabulous book, that thank yes. you for writing this. Thank you so much. I think that this is probably the most crucial thing. Communication is important, but if we haven't learned yet how to come from love, it means that we're always being reactive rather than active. Absolutely. When I think of you saying, I love you, I love you. I remember hearing once that Love is the only action. Everything else is a reaction. So it's rather than saying like, well, you should do this or trying to like help someone, you're just saying, I love you. Here's my, I'm actively giving this to you rather than being like, well, let me tell you what to do or let me, well, I don't think that that's true. You're just validating their feeling, their experience. But when we're not able to just come from love, it's because there's usually a block and it's fear. It's our own insecurities. It's our own unmet needs. It's so... If we can learn to come from love and the things we say and do, everything changes. 
Yep. And even to yourself. And that's the one part is why I added that in is because self-love is a huge issue right now. I yeah. feel like, yeah, we, we, especially women, we yeah. are always the last on the list. And so I'm like, no. So that's what, because even I've had people say, well, you're always come from love book. That's like you throwing yourself under the bus. And I said, no, no. I said, even to yourself. So what that means is we're holding boundaries and we love ourselves. Yeah. And also holding space. It's, it's a foundation for us and for everybody else. Yes, absolutely. And we do have an epidemic of a lack of self-love, of self-rejection, yeah. low self-esteem. Shame. Yeah. Shame. We're the number of people who truly love themselves is the minority. It's a very small mm -hmm. amount because what we're bombarded not by messages of you're okay just as you are, we're constantly bombarded by messages of you better not do this or that. You better not ever make a mistake. You better not be unattractive or change your weight or anything because then you're not lovable and you're not good enough. You better be successful or else you're, you don't matter. So we're constantly like, like, it's like we have this barometer of like, okay, I'm worthy today. Oh, I'm not tomorrow because yes, that's a hard thing to carry. That's it's hard. terrible. It's a living pound. Honestly, yeah, we need to let it go. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, we used to were taught that if our bosses made us feel like that, we were supposed to put up with it. I mean, I could talk, I could talk till for hours about me being a filmmaker too, and being on the film industry with all the powerful men out there that were putting you down because you're a woman, or I, I was visual effects supervisor on different things, and where I couldn't get anybody to listen to me until I whispered into my guy's ear and he said it. This is, that's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. We women were, should have never put up with that. And I realized why we were so beat down. Gener generationally, we have been so wounded and so beat down yeah. to not say a word and to carry that with us. Yeah. And we still have a long way to go with that. We do. Because women yes. are absolutely not heard or taken seriously. Respected. Yeah. Respected is what, it, what is that old saying that, well, she's just acting crazy. She's on her period. No, we're pissed off. No, we're, but if a man said the exact same thing, I loved Lisa Bilyeu had a had a woman of impact episode where one of the one of her guests were saying she walked into like a boardroom and she was talking about something. I think it was a real estate deal. And the guy like leaned over and said, you started your period or something because she was using that guy energy, that masculine energy of mm -hmm. talking with them. And they knew they were in the doghouse after that. So she she let him have it in a very eloquent way, if I remember right. But. But yeah, like that's still going on in 2023. Oh, yeah. Well, because we still live in a man's world and it's yeah. going to be like that. And again, that's a big part of Women Waken is the idea that the feminist movement and every wave of it did a lot to allow women to at least like have the basic rights and have their vo have their presence. However, we're still not really allowed to show up as women. Because the, what we did is we, we tried to show up like your friend as men because we feel like we won't be heard or taken seriously. Yeah. So we exhaust ourselves. And it's like a fish trying to swim. It's like we're a fish out of water. We're like, this doesn't. I mean, not to say, again, all of us have masculine and feminine energies, right? I have a ton of masculine energy. Sometimes I'm really like, let's get this done. Let's go. And like very assertive. But we also need to tap into our feminine and allow the feminine to be present on movie sets, in government offices. In all of these, in schools, everywhere where we say, hey, listen, this is missing. We're missing the element of love. We're yeah. denying our souls. Yeah. We're not in touch with life and we're not honoring or respecting life. 
Right now, if you say that in a boardroom, people say, oh, get the fuck out of here. We yep. don't have time for that shit. That's woo-woo shit. That's flaky shit. Shut the fuck up. And, and that's been the case forever. But it, and it's still the case. And and it's it's what I think it is, is more of, like you said, building the new paradigm. It's because mm-hmm. we can't we'll have to we'll get blue in the face before anybody will listen to us. You know what I mean? The way things are now. We have to kind of start creating our own paradigm. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is people will realize this works way better than the, this other super over masculinized systems that are not working. Yeah. We're all yeah. seeing that right now with economic con- collapse, financial, yeah. you know, crisis, Poor, poverty, homelessness, yes. all of it. Everybody else gets thrown under the bus from that masculine to masculine energy. Yeah. We need balance because women are nurturers. So, yeah, we're we're missing like half a vessel here yeah half the sky there's a beautiful book called half the sky i think that's the full title but it's the idea that that we're we're denying that other half we're we're only working with half of what we can with half of the yin and the yang that's not the right title but something like that but then there's also the idea that they say that the masculine the feminine is like two wings of a bird you can't if you just have one you'll be like going yeah 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 that makes you have both then when you soar and that's yeah. what we've never really done as a species. We've always been over masculinized or there's there's talk of in other ancient societies. It was actually very matriarchal mm-hmm. and all of that. I think that still worked a little bit better than what we have yeah. now. But but here was the problem, though, that I have read is that in matriarchal societies, it's the same thing as now. The men started to feel like, well, what's yeah. our purpose? We yeah. need to create a new society where we both feel at our divine fullness. Oh, we feel our important, we both feel our place in importance, in that we all matter, that we are all loved and taken care of and seen. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we get there? What it's going to be like when we Yes. Yeah. When we get there. Yes. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But a lot of things are going to have to crumble because just as we were saying, the, the current ideas about the way that things are just naturally are falsehoods that we will be moving away from when we embrace these new paradigms and concepts and it's it's scary to let things fall away we hold on because we are fearful people we're not we haven't embraced love yet i I often speak to the fact that love lets go and fear holds on we're all holding on for dear life right now every single one of us please god don't let me lose someone i love don't let me lose my financial stability don't lose my job don't let me lose my looks don't let me get old all of these bargainings that we have no power over. Yeah. We're all going to get older. We all are going to face struggles and health issues and financial troubles. We don't, we don't know how to trust in the universe or in ourselves or in life. And that's the feminine principle is that you are always taken care of. Always. Even in your darkest times, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. It's a part of your soul's journey. It's a part of the life experience. Yeah. And I do say, I want to also say that what I've found through this RA journey and stuff is also get intentional too, because when you align with yourself, with the universe and with the feminine energy, then you will also make, you'll just start manifesting it is what I, you know, what I've seen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Amber, with all all that said, all the awesome stuff. We're ready to yes. go. We're ready to like build the new the new earth. Yes. But b- coming back to your book before it comes out, are there like three takeaways you could offer people who are thinking when they hear this, I would love to start coming from love. I would love to practice. Let's say I start dating next week. And rather than being reactive, how can I just come from love with this person? If I'm having trouble with a coworker or a family member, how can I, what are 
a few steps to come from love to cognitively, intentionally yep. try that. So I always work with myself on, do, am I thinking something negative? So does a negative feeling come up? And so I always say, okay, that's not what I want here. I want, like you said, you used the perfect word earlier on in the conversation, which was getting curious. And so you, you approach the world and you're in a curious state, you know, and also I think it's super important to get intentional about your day. And so you're not rushed. I love this part about homeschooling. We homeschoolers have grasped better that you have a small child, their energy battery levels are really tiny, like a baby's or like a two-year-old's, but we're dragging them in our adult world to six different or six different stores with no food because we're like off and running. We finally feed them after they've had their fit or whatever. And so that's why I'm saying get intentional first, right? You know, and so, and be curious. So I always, I always want people, I invite them to always think in a positive way. So you get curious out there in the world. So you, you meet a cashier, this may be rude. You get curious. You just hold space. I'm, I'm a Taoist, so I believe very much in that the rain is neither bad nor good. It just is. And that's just another way of holding space, right? There's people out there all the time. They're like, oh my God, the rain, it's terrible. I hate it. Oh my God, I love the rain. It's the, just, it is, it's, it's that. The other biggest thing that helped me with the always come from love was to read two books. One is called The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer, who really looked, he was going to college and he looked inside himself and was like, what is this annoying voice that goes around telling me, oh, that person's shirt's blue and I don't like it. Oh, that person's car is white and I love it. Oh, million, what, however many hundreds of thousands, thousand thoughts we have a day running through our head. It's about quieting or that, that ego down. So really it is about getting intentional and, and getting our ego to quiet down. The surrender experiment, oh my goodness, and the untethered soul really helped to do that. And I will always advocate for people to read that book, especially and with my book, because I, I think it even kind of completes a whole circle of this thought, this thought. So that's another way. And then really starting to learn to love ourselves and either taking courses or classes in it and get just getting real like really do we need to be getting down on ourselves like what how does that serve us so really thinking about what does this serve does it serve us if the answer is no drop it yeah it's huge yeah absolutely and what i like to offer to people at that time because i i've struggled my whole life with that with because when you have early life trauma that makes you feel like you don't matter or you're not good enough. You kind of, there, you have like your inner Eeyore where you're like, I knew it, nothing was going to work out. And you almost get kind of like a pig in mud. You get a little comfortable with feeling bad. It's like, it can almost feel harder to feel good. It's like, I'm just going to sink back down into my little bog of self-pity. And so something we can think of when we're stuck is to think, okay, who do I want to, how do I want to inspire others, mm -hmm. right? Right now, I'm feeling like I just want to bitch and complain and feel bad about myself. But if I had a child in front of me and I knew that they were looking at me to model, what does self-love mean? Can I find the strength to be like, I am frustrated, I'm having a hard time, but no matter what, I love myself. Love doesn't change. Love is unconditional. I can be disappointed. I can decide, I wish I'd made a different decision. It doesn't have to change the love, right? I think yeah, that's the big yeah. thing is can we that's learn the how foundation. to? That's the foundation. That's the foundation, the foundation of standing on love. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do want to mention, so with my coaching, one of the biggest things I advocate for is 
people don't realize how important nutrition and eating real whole nutrient-dense foods is. Because what we don't understand is we may have low-level brain fog that we're not even aware of. We may have, we can't sleep well and all of that, but all of that adds up to us not being able to think clearly. When we're not thinking clearly, we're off balance. If we're off balance, how are we going to always come from love? So I always invite people to really try to get down to their baseline, which is clean out their gut, start eating real new whole, whole <laughs> nutrient-dense foods to yeah. crowd out bad people, to crowd out bad nu nutrition and things like that. Because what you'll see is stuff will start to lift, your mood will start to lift, and you can also start to always come from love there. You've just got to clean out your system. Yeah. It's huge important. I don't think people realize that. Yes, absolutely. Another Oracle card reference, but I had a friend pull a health card for me and it was polish your heart. And I've been thinking that ever since because it's kind of like getting all that crud off yeah. what's keeping you from coming from love. Get, I love get, that. Get the residue off that's your past and things people have said and disappointments and perceived failures and loss and see how can we get back to that true wholeness, that heart, that love, and then try to come from there as often as possible. Yeah, before the trauma came, before any of it came. Yeah. I believe we're kind of born as love and then it gets all worked. <laughs> oh. Yes, and that's, again, that's the shift that's happening is how can we be born into this world knowing that, yes, we came onto this planet not for it to be a perfect ride. If it was going to be a perfect ride, we would have just stayed back yep. up. Yeah, we wouldn't have learned mentality. anything. Yeah. Yes, so, but that that's the biggest thing is to learn that, again, you can have, rejection, disappointments, pain, illness, but not let it change the fact that you are perfect and loved yes. and that you still have that core. You can say, oh, this is a challenge, but I don't, I still love myself. Yeah. Oh, that person rejected me, but I still love myself. Right now we say love right now. Most of our self-love is conditional. Well, I loved myself last week when that guy was calling me, but now he's not calling. So I don't really yeah. like, I'm kind of, I'm putting time out. That's how we've sort of learned to live because there's so much of society being like, oh my God, you look so pretty today. Or, oh my God, you made like so, so you're so impressive in that thing that you did. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you get accolades and your roots go up and down yeah. constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then this is a whole nother thing, but that brings me into the fact that basically most people on, in our society are all addicted in some way to something because it's yeah. a rush. We stay on this exhaustive roller coaster because we're like, oh my God, he called or, oh my God, I got that award. So I'm the best. But then we have to manage the downfall, which is, well, I didn't get that award this year or that now that guy's not calling me and we boop. So I, I think we're basically kind of like teenagers as far as like the history of society. Yes, we are. As a species, we're teenagers. So we're still like, let's just do it or fuck, this is this sucks. And we haven't learned how to get off that train yet, how to get yep. off that roller coaster and be like, maybe there's an easier way, maybe and not as exciting, but. I'm kind of tired of the drama. That's yep. when we get to that point, we'll really change. Yeah. And that's why I think I'm right. Partially why or mostly why I'm writing that book is because it's how to just stay on that foundation. Because once you get it, once it clicks, oh, my gosh, I tend to always stay in joy and zen. I mean, not not to where I'm ignoring things. But what I love about like back to the surrender exper experiment and tethered soul is he's saying, yeah, your car broke down. Yeah. All your money got taken out of your bank. You're not ignoring it, but you're 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 observing it and you're curious about it, but you're not letting it drag you down to yeah. the depths of hell. You know, so that's that, that to me, that foundation of coming from love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Amber, I cannot wait to read your book because Thank it's you so, so 
important and it sounds amazing. And we all need, we could all really use that, I think. And it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think those of us who feel called, we just got to do in our own little way, the little tiny steps that are like, hey, maybe we could do this differently. Maybe we don't have to live like this anymore. I, I think I quietly just walk around like I'm an open book. So I'm like, if you know, I'm talking to a cashier, I'll just say my one life partner. I am never hiding anything of myself. So I'm hoping, yeah. you know, that I'm just quietly planting seeds in people you know, and getting them to think more. Like I often have really good conversations with strangers about polyamory because of how I'm so open about it. And I don't get judgment for it. Yes. And that's so beautiful. And that's the way to do it. I'm a big believer that I don't really think that anyone's ever changed their mind because someone screamed at them that the way that they live or the things they believe are wrong. Especially when we try to tell people the way they feel is wrong. You can't. That's how you feel. Yeah. But when we get curious and we listen to someone say, that's interesting that you do that. Tell me about it. Well, here's what I do that works for me. Might not work for you, but here's what's worked for me to connect more with love, to feel more joy. Because as you said, that feeling of joy, that feeling of an open heart is the biggest high you'll ever feel. And it will be the only thing you'll ever want. You'll want out of that rat race so quickly when you truly feel when, and it's like when your shield melts and you no longer feel like you need to compete with people or you just want to like, you feel that loving connection with all beings. Cause that's the grand finale, right? That's the, that's the ultimate is that remembering that we're all connected. Yeah, we are. Yeah. There's no separation. All right, Amber, this has been such an incredible conversation. I know that a lot of people are going to want to read your book when it comes out, learn more about you, possibly work with you. How can they find you? Yeah, so I'm at www.amberbariktari.com, and that's just A-M-B-E-R-B-A-R-I-A-K-T-A-R-I.com. And there is all my information for the coaching and they can book a book a free consultation with me, a 60 minute one so that we can talk about the coaching and all of that. So and then I'm literally on platform. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all of them under Amber Barakhtari or Coach Amber Barakhtari. So. Okay, great. Well, all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amber, for being on the show. It's been such a fun conversation. I hope we'll have many more. Yes, please. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic. Thank you.